You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Everybody was in clubs. Everybody was practicing. I mean, so it wasn't like we was just out here lollygagging. Mugs was out here hitting it, tightening up their game because they knew if you didn't have it down, boosting them or rodging them or the Ohio players was going to wear you out on the set if you wasn't bad. You know, you wasn't, you know, you wasn't getting high. You wasn't getting those girlies tonight. What you calling them getting them, you know? And, you know, we got to put a stop to that. We got to get some ourselves, you know? We like mouth, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Animal. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for, by, and about the culture here at the Griot Black Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson. And today, ladies and gentlemen, the legend in the house none other than one of the the greatest musicians out of the state of ohio which is saying something that's the reason i said that but a legendary bassist one who belongs on the mount rushmore of bassist a person if you like me for who if you're a hip-hop fan literally set the foundation for the music that you know and love especially if you love anything coming out of the west coast I am joined by none other than Bootsy Collins and Patty Collins. How are y'all doing? <laughs> doing great, man. Just glad to be alive and and here to speak with you and and you know let the funk continue to grow. Yeah, it's a great day. We're with Panama. Yeah, <laughs> but it is appreciated. I got to be honest with you. This is one of those things that I didn't know how excited I could be for something. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm going to have an opportunity to speak with Bootsy Collins? Like, my parents are going to flip out. Because, again, in my <laughs> household, so I, I was born in 79. In my household, yeah. we were listening to Parliament. We were listening to Bootsy's Rubber Band. I mean, of course, James Brown is in everybody's household. You know, like, growing up as a black household in the car. So this is really this is really special for me, and I appreciate you being here Uh you know, I, just the opportunity in and of itself is wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you both so much for being here. Uh, you're appreciated. You. I just want to say that. Give the opportunity to tell somebody that directly to their face. You know what I mean? We're, we're honored here and, and share whatever funk we got. Whatever the funk we got. <laughs> we, lo- we love to share the funk. Every day. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because... I got I had a couple of questions like we're here to talk about an organization that you have and a collaborative album that you that you put together called Funk Not Fight. Tell me a bit about the initiative, what it represents, what it's about. Well, as you know, I've been in, been in this for uh, quite some time, pretty much all my life. And. You know, funk has always been looked upon as dance and having fun and good time, getting getting fucked up, all of that. Uh, but, you know, I guess as I've grown older, you know, and things kind of change, but they still remain the same. And it's like, you know, the young the young people are getting more violent, you know, um, and it's like I need to do something because I know that music heals. You know, uh, music can calm the situation down. 
it happened there with uh, James Brown in, uh, in Boston back in the riot days. And so we all know that music can calm the situation down. And so I got with Patty, and she heard me say something about funk, not fight. I was just throwing out ideas. And she was like, yeah, we should do something with that, you know? And going along with what I was thinking anyway, I was like, yeah, you know, we know we can't save the world. I mean, it ain't even about that. It's about right. doing what you could do to help the situation, you know, because a lot of rap is going on, but ain't nobody really doing nothing. And we want to be the ones that on the side that's doing something. And this Funk Not Fight is our give back of us trying to do something to help in that situation where we're just going so crazy on each other and we're just killing and violating each other. And, you know, uh, in funk, you don't do that. You know, in funk, you know, we funk together. And so we want to try to help bring back that power of the one. You know, because it's about all of us. It ain't about just me and her and Joe and Blow. It's about all of us. And we want to kind of bring that center back. And we we are the core. We all are. Uh, and none is no better than the other. And this Funk Not Fight is kind of that, that, that message. It is that message. It is that message. And... You know, we were driving back to add on to what Bootsy's saying. We were driving back from, I think it was Birmingham, July 4th. And it turned out we heard another shooting was going on at a parade in Chicago. And Bootsy really, you know, said, I got to do something. And he said, funk that fight. And that's where that was born. He came home. He wrote a song. And he's like, okay, Patty, let's do something. And then that's when the campaign started to take birth. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a movement. It's a movement, Panama. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to release the song for the very first time and the video that goes with it. But more important, we're going to have a roundtable and we're going to work with uh, the governor's office is coming in, the governor of Ohio, Governor DeWine. We're going to have some statesmen. We're going to have community leaders and we're going to have neighbors that are living in this in the neighborhoods and they're going to come speak and talk about what is going on in their neighborhood what is the violence what are they feeling what are they seeing and we're going to talk together with that funk not fight theme so funk not fight represents the mission of the music helping to heal our land but it's actually the blueprint was setting up for not just Cleveland, but all of the communities. And when we leave, the message don't leave. You know, the community gets active in, you know, in what we're trying to do, you know, uh, and and show people that we need to help each other in this because, you know, it's boiling down to us. You know, we got to do something. We can't continue to blame mugs for our shortcomings you know we gotta we gotta do something so what's happening after we do the round table we're going to go to a place called the village and this is what booty's talking about we're laying the blueprint in cleveland but we're going to a suburb that houses the village and inside the village is going to live a funk not fight safe 
Space Hub. This means that if someone is just having a bad day, they feel like they want to hurt themselves, hurt someone else, there's going to be a space there that has been branded with the Funk Not Fight logos and colorful things, and they will be able to speak with a counselor, a psychologist, just to help figure out what is going on with them. And inside the village is also a studio where they can record. There's an art area where they can draw and just have spoken word, all these different things. So imagine someone that's just disheartened at the moment and they need a place to go. Well, they can go to the Funk Not Fight Safe Hub there at the village. And this will be the blueprint we will take around the country to set up Funk Not Fight Hubs. And that's how communities will change the culture of violence and learn to love one another, hope together once again. How did you all decide on Cleveland? I know, I know, Bootsy, you're from Cincinnati. Like, how did you all decide yeah. on Cleveland as your first, like, hub, safety hub for, for the Funk Not Fight movement? Well, there's some pretty deep things going on there in Cleveland. And Cleveland, I always get the, um, you know, the the butt of the joke. I mean, you know, they all, everybody, like, where you from? Oh, I'm from Cle- Cleveland, you know? So it's like, right. you know, you know, everybody always kind of looked down on Cleveland and, for me, you know, I, we all, Funk has always been the underdog. So, you know, you can't get too much more underdog than Cleveland, you know, uh, unless it's Toledo, you know. Um, but, 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 you know, it's, it's like that. I, we've been recognized and put in those categories where uh, they're on the bottom of the totem pole. So that's what Funk is. That's what Cleveland is. That's what Toledo is. You know, it's all those things that we came up in, you know, that we came up because we the underdogs and, you know, we're proud. Why are we proud? And nobody tell us to be proud. We're not glad to be in the situations that we are, but we are proud people and we want to be treated, you know, with respect. And so, you know, when you say Cleveland, you know, we should be pumped about it. You know, when you say Toledo. You know, when you say Lower Alabama, I live in L.A., and what is that? Lower Alabama, that's, you know, you should be pumped about that. And so where, you know, people used to say, why are you, you know, why are you lifting up Cincinnati and you stand pretty much in, in L.A.? I was like, Cincinnati is where I'm from. You know, that's all. That's where I grew up, you know. And so we we need to start standing for, for who we are, what we are, and where we're from. Yes. You know, uh, and, and so that's what this funk not fight thing. It ain't just about, you know, um, one thing about violence. This is about all of us doing our best to do better. Wow, that's a good thing. Yeah, I like doing it. our best. That is good. Oh, I'm writing it. I'm right. <laughs> and and you know, another reason for being able to go to Cleveland. We're partners with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, with Bootsy being inducted. They wanted to help put the word out with announcing it on that platform, and that's a super great platform. And then we have a friend who's a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic there. He's going to actually be a spokesperson for us. He's going to talk about how music is helping to heal patients that he sees every day. So when all of this came... And the fact that Cleveland can be known as that underdog. Bootsy was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's do Cleveland. And then let's 
blueprint it, stamp it, and let's take it across the country. And there's an album associated with this as well, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. This was something that people could submit music and songs to. So, you know, like regular everyday musicians and people who are trying to make a name for themselves could submit to be a part of this project. And I'm assuming you ultimately decided who was going to make the album and all this stuff. Like, so what was that process like? And how did you decide who was going to be a part of the, the Funk Not Fight album part of this? Well, we actually still are going through it. Um, so it's like a, a, a you know, an ongoing progression of, uh, and, and you know, it, it don't never have to end. It don't never have to be just one album. I mean, you know, f for me, we need to keep this thing going and growing um, because that gives people hope. Um, the ones that like, or on the corner, you know, singing or in their room singing and nothing is happening, get a chance to maybe, you know, turn in something. And um, sometimes uh, things happen. And, and sure. you know, because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have been turning stuff in and a lot of people have, have wind up being on the album. And we got so many people that everybody can't be on one album. So it's like, you know, it, it has to be an ongoing thing. And Sinker Music out of the UK is our partner. So okay. what happens is someone can turn a song into Sinker and then Sinker sends it to Bootsy. And then Bootsy makes the decision. He listens to it with some of the team members, our Skybox partners. And we make a decision if that particular song will make the Bootsy Collins compilation Funk Not Fight album. And it's all different age levels. Yeah. Of course, you know, of course we're, we're looking to the young to carry the message on, but it, it, everybody turns in music. I mean, you know, uh, whatever their talent is, they turn it in. And it, it just makes, it actually um, makes me feel like I'm more of a part than just playing bass in a band. I mean, I've been doing that for years and it's been great to me, but you know, it's like now I see what James Brown saw when he saw me coming off the stage in 1968, where we were out there involved in the riots and everything. And he got us off of the street, you know, and I always wondered, you know, why he want us young, crazy, cocky mugs you know, around him. I didn't understand that, you know, and we went in there laughing and joking and, you know, uh, talking about his clothes and his shoes and, you know, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff, you know, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't have sense enough to know that what this guy was doing for us at that particular time. And it took us off to the streets, you know, and it probably saved our life. I know it probably saved mine. That's for sure. Yes. And we're already getting messages back from, folks that are turning in the music and they are actually getting on the compilation album and they're saying to us how this is changing their life. So let's imagine uh, Johnny in Atlanta turns a song in, he makes the album, he's going to take that to his mom, his dad, his auntie, his grandma, his homies, and this is lifting up his self-esteem. This is how we feel we can change the culture with calming the violence with the power of music. So we just believe if we stay with us, it's going to be an ongoing album, as Bootsy's saying, for a long, long time because of the temperature of what's going on. So thumbs up 
Fuck that fight. <laughs> nah, fuck. Nah, it sounds amazing and uh, needed. You know, I can I can appreciate that. Even just thinking, you know, I'm as somebody with kids. You know, when you're talking about like what James Brown saw in y'all and how he said these kids, I can have a positive impact on their life, and he did change your life, right? It completely changed the trajectory of wherever you were going to be going and the ability to do that for you at the same, like the, I, I can, I can appreciate that. I think that's, that's very commendable. It's admirable for you all to be, to be jumping into the fight, right? The, the funk, not the fight, yeah. funk, not fight, but jumping into the fight to try to help uh, the best way you can. Cause I, I'm with you. I agree. Music does save souls and it, it, it heals. It, it makes you feel better. Um, yeah, it can calm you down yeah. in a heartbeat. You know, it can it can bring you back to center when you need it most. All right, we're gonna take a real quick break here, and when we come back. We're gonna talk more with Bootsy and Patty uh, about funk, not fight. But also, I have I have some music questions. I have some some questions that have always been in my heart. So stay tuned here uh, to Dear Culture. The '80s gave us unforgettable songs from Bob Marley, De La Soul, and Public Enemy. I'm a black man, and I can never be a veteran. Being Black the 80s is a podcast docuseries hosted by me, Torre, looking at the most important issues of the 80s through the songs of the decade. A decade when crack kingpins controlled the streets but lost their humanity. You couldn't be like those soft, smiling, happy-go-lucky drug dealers. You had to suppress that. It was a time when disco was part of gay liberation. It provided the information to counter narratives that were given to gay people by the straight world. This is the funkiest history class you'll ever take. Join me, Torre, for Being Black the 80s on the Grio Black Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're talking about the Funk Not Fight movement that they got going on that's going to be uh, hubbed in Cleveland to start, but it's going to be a blueprint for the opportunity to do things across the world. And I have a question for you. You mentioned Toledo. Now, I'm somebody yeah. who used to live in Michigan, so I know Toledo is the butt of all kind of jokes, right? I get that. But there's something about that I-75 corridor from Cincinnati on up. So I yeah, have to is. ask, yep. why in the world do you think there are so many amazing, great musicians coming out of Ohio and especially that 75 corridor, this has always baffled me. Like, if you look, in more more times than not, when I see some great band, I am never surprised to find they come from Ohio in some way, shape, or form. You got y'all, the Isleys, the Roger is that. The list goes, and these are people that I know you've worked with in different ways, but the list is endless. What is it about Ohio? I think um, when I was coming up and all of us, that's that was in this pot you know we all had some positive competition going on as far as who's gonna get the gig you know we wasn't getting paid not you know a couple right. bucks not enough to get gas. i mean so it wasn't about really the money it was about us having fun and you know being out there going against each other it's like it's it's the same uh rules applied as like in football games basketball you know, it's kind of like it turned into like a game, but we didn't look at it as a game. But now I can look back at it and say, dang, we was out there having fun, you know, having a good time. And it wasn't about the money. You know, it was more about getting out there, having fun, 
having a few drinks, you know, just hanging out with the girlies, you know, that whole thing. And just being a great band, being a great musician, that, that's what it was all about. You know, it was about just putting people together and seeing who's the best, you know. And in in Ohio, up that 75, what you was talking about, everybody was in clubs. Everybody was practicing. I mean, so it wasn't like we was just out here lollygagging. Mugs was out here hitting it, tightening up their game because they knew if you didn't have it down, boosting them or roger them, how players is gonna wear you out on the set, so you got to get your, you know, get your thing together, and that's what I think was driving that whole Ohio area, because if you wasn't, if you wasn't bad, you know, you wasn't, you know, you wasn't getting high, you wasn't getting those girlies tonight. What you calling them getting them, you know? And you know, we got to put a stop to that. We got to get some ourselves, you know. We like mouth, you know. So that's it on. That's kind of, and then besides that, number two, that was number one. Number two, besides that, I think it had something to do with the P and the I. Or, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was the P in the river. It was the P in the river. The P in the river did it. <laughs> I was going to say, must be something in the water. Got to be something in the water in Ohio. That is. I mean. Is that pea funk in that river? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me ask this, too. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I grew up in the, you know, my, like the late 80s and, and 90s, right? Those, that's my era. And I'm a huge hip hop fan. Like, you know, I joke, hip hop raised me. But as somebody who literally created it was part of the creation of like the sound bed that a lot of hip hop was built upon. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I can't, I don't know how many people have used more bounce to the out. I'd rather be with you. It's like a million people have used yeah. that. What are you a hip hop fan? I mean, you worked with so many hip hop artists. Are you a hip hop fan? Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, especially the ones that were, legend that that came up and made it what it is you know or what it was i love those cats you know uh i was you know into that because they took what we was doing and took it to another level a whole new audience and i for one appreciated that a lot of people from back in the day was highly upset you yeah. know because they took their music i mean there was no laws you know, about sampling, there was no this. But I thought it was like, that's pretty cool. When Easy e came here talking about, you know, he wanted me to be in the video and he wanted to do the song. I thought that was like, and that's the way Easy does it, baby. My name is Easy, yeah, this is true. Keeping your attention is what I'm going to do. You know, because we have been, you know, road driven for, what, five, six years straight? And it's like, man, I'm, you know, I'm you know, getting a little tired, man. And these mugs kind of came in, took the ball, and ran with it enough in the same direction, but with a new face, you know, and a new agenda, a whole new vibe. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So they wasn't fucking with us, you know. They took what we had and made it their own. And so to me, that was, you know, that was an honor, you know, that was an honor. So 
I had to get involved when I saw that. I'm glad to hear you say that. Well, I'm interested to hear you say that more so than glad because, you know, yeah. I've, there's exactly for what you said. There's a lot of people that don't really appreciate that their music has been taken and used and repurposed and turned into something new. But, you know, for me personally, I can't tell you how many, how many songs and albums I discovered because of hip hop, right? Like, you know, the Dr. Dre in particular, you know, he's somebody who literally is, boy, that whole parliament catalog was like the, just like, let me just remake all this stuff. And, and the first thing you do is like, once you realize this is not an original, you like, where did this come from? And then you go and you learn all these people. It's like, who is this? Now I got to go listen to this and I got to go listen to that. So I've always yeah. been fascinated when I, you know, when I have the opportunity to speak to people who've had their music used, you know, in such yeah. a fashion. And, you know, and as somebody like yourself who literally the music has laid the groundwork for the culture, right? You know, it's not just somebody borrows something here. Mm. Like, you couldn't go days without right. hearing. There's right. no album that comes out that I don't, that for the most part, back, especially in the 90s, that didn't have some parliament, some some boosty bass line, some drums you was playing somewhere, you know, um, you know, or James Brown for that matter, of course, you know, like that kind of stuff. So it's, I'm always interested to hear what it's like to be on the other end of that, like as a person whose music is being used, um, because for me, I appreciate that. Like, I love I love what I learned from hearing other people use the music and what it introduced me to. But I guess I can understand the other side of that, too. So I'm, I'm, I was always interested to hear that yeah the other side other other side of it is very interesting too but you know that's kind of like normal that's that's you know that's what we would normally do you know it's just like this ai thing coming in is it's so mm-hmm. new you know people don't don't get it don't understand uh you know and sometimes it takes time you know to you know pat not not just pass the law but make it real for everybody. I mean, you know, you know, it's just not a one-sided thing, you know. It's it's like this music belongs to everybody. But let's be fair. Let's be fair, you know. Um and that's what funk funk not fight is about as well. What is you that? Know, we're we're lovers. We're not just fighters. I'm a lover. Yeah. Not a hater. I'm not a hater. <laughs> <laughs> So all of that, all of that, you know, comes into being and you want to pass stuff on. You know, you got to be careful what you pray for, you know, because, you know, you know, we praying for, you know, long existence and this, that. But when it comes, you don't understand what it looks like, you know, and then you start bagging up, you know, and it's like, no, you know, a lot of times, you don't, you know, a lot of times I never recognized it, but. If it's real, yes, it'll show its face, you know. And if it's not, it'll show its face. So, yeah, you know, what well, probably also helps. Like you're one of those artists, you can tell you've embraced it because yeah. the culture's embraced you fully, right? Like, like I, you know, before we started recording, I talked about, you know, Snoop, like Snoop, kind of being the reincarnation of that that bootsy energy in in in, in hip hop, right? Like a personality yeah. that can literally work in any world like there's no place that snoop can't go where he's not Re- beloved by everybody and i yeah. kind of feel you have that same energy because you are on records from bruno mars like you're literally all, you're still all over the place right so 
you know, and I and I love that, especially because I think that that helps you get this mission for Funk Night fight off the ground, right? Like you're not somebody that's just like that that's showing back up with an idea. You're somebody that all of the art you're still super embraced by the culture in a way that you're actively still involved in in music creation with the new. I saw you on some new single from 2023 from somebody I was I'm on Spotify or whatever. I'm like, Boosie's still making brand new songs out here. Like, you know, artists are still like, so I, you know, I, I wonder if that also doesn't help with getting these missions off. Cause you can call, you can call everybody and they're like, Oh, for Bootsy. Absolutely. I do. I'll be there. Give me 10 minutes and I'll be right there to help out. Like how has that been response in terms of ensuring that you can get your movement and mission off the ground? Well, you know, I always look at it like, you know, um, I have to do for people first. And once I do, I let it go, you know, uh, and I don't expect nothing. You know, it's just when you give up the phone, you're going to get the phone, you know. And my mission is to give up the phone. My, my mission is not to come out here and get the phone. You know, I have to give what I got and what I got is the funk, you know, and that's what I give. And the people give it back to me. And that's that's a forever thing. You know, that's not nothing I want to cut off. I'm not going to cut it off by not giving up the funk, you know. That's my mission. And the fans and, and even the people that don't even know me, they give it back. And that just that just works not only for me, that works that's a that's a thing that works, period. Yes. You know, um, you know, all these different religions have have brought that message. But a lot of things don't reach the people because they don't understand it. I'm just a simple long haired sucker, you know, from off the street, you know, and, you know, ain't nothing deep. Ain't, you know, ain't none of that stuff deep. You know, you just do your best with what you got and keep the funk drive all the way live, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question I've always, always wanted to ask. Y'all both probably got an answer to this one. Uh-oh. How many of those star frame glasses do you have? Do you know how many you own? No, not really. I, I never, um, you know, I never, I never count it, but... Do you I'm get them you made? Mean, do you pick them up wherever you go? Like, how do how do you collect, create a collection of the, like this is this is when I think of Bootsy, I think of the glasses. Like first thing I think of is like the album cover, you know, with the glass, and like the so first thing I think of. But I'm like, I want to. I mean, do you see them out and you collect them? Like how do how does how does one maintain the collection? Well, you know what I what let me tell you about the first star glasses and why. Okay. I, you know, I should have a starred glass identity. Um, what happened was I was trying to figure out, you know, my look. On my first record, Stretching Out, I was trying to figure out, okay, I got to have a look. Because, you know, I knew I had the funk. I knew I had the music, you know, and all that. I got all that vibe. I got all the personality. I got the voice. I got all that, you know, but I need a bass. A star bass, and I need star glass. I need. I gotta have this before we get this album cover, you know, front cover. I gotta have these glasses. So 
I, you know, I go looking, I go, I go on this hunt out in LA looking, you know, for a place to make these star glasses. And it's actually these star glasses I got on 1975. Um, wow. And see, I ran into this, this place on Sunset, uh, and it was called Optique Boutique. And, um, I was talking to the guy about making, uh, you know, star glasses. And he was telling me, you know, they specialize in all kind of, you know, of course I'm, I'm broke, you know, <laughs> and I'm out here, you know, our brother is on the street full of rap, right. you know, and, you know, talking shit, you know, and it's like the, the guy already know I ain't got no, I mean, you know, you know, and I ain't nobody. I ain't got no record out. I play with Paul and Falkadelic, but you know, these mugs don't know nothing about that, you know? So it's like, you know, I need these star glasses. And it's like, yeah, yeah, well, go go talk to the young guy over there. You know, so he sent me on to this young guy to talk to. So I was talking to him, and he said, yeah, you know, I think I can hook you up. Now, what what, what do you, you know, what do you actually want? I say, I want people to look into my eyes and see themselves. I want the glasses to be mirrored, you know? And he said, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty wild idea. I said, yeah, I, I don't want them to see me. I want them to see themselves. And he said, I can do this. I can do this. And sure enough, two weeks later, had the glasses ready and they, they do what I wanted them to do. You know, it ain't just about the star shape. It's about seeing yourself, you know, in, in others and seeing yourself period when you look at me you know because you got the same thing you just got to look at yourself you know uh and so i wanted everything and the star base the same thing i put mirror you know i had mirror That's built cool. into that so when when i'm playing when the lights hit it it'll beam out on people and people you know they see themselves they see the light you know and so that stuff you know i really thought about you know because it wasn't really about me going out here, you know, making formula music because I wasn't a formula guy. You know, right. uh, I came, I'm came from a wild thing. You know, I came from the streets, and it's like a, a blend of all of that. You know, uh, blues, you know, jazz. These are the cats I grew up around, and it's like you know, it, it wasn't just the music. I wanted to have the look, the image, the personality. All of that, you know, yeah. because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. And it was just so, um, so powerful when we did the cover and exactly what I was thinking came true. I was like, wow. So that just sparked a whole new level. You know, when you, you know, when you do something and it actually happens, you know, it's one thing to talk about something. Yeah. But when you actually do it, like we're talking about funk, not fight, and we we get ready to actually do, do it. it, you know, that to me is is the weak side. That's the weak side that we've been on for a long time. You know, we got to stand behind what we're talking about. Time for some action. You know, this time is definitely time for some action. Yeah. You know, so that's where that came from. It's like looking at me, and I'm looking at you, but you're looking at yourself. And that's what we need to grow from. Yeah. You know, and it's all right. It don't matter how you look. You know, you need to grow from that. 
So that's where the star glasses came. Yes, sir. I was going to say, you've been on Funk Not Fight since the beginning. That's a hundred percent fuck not fight, right? If I look at if I look at your glasses and I look back and see myself with a star, that's yeah. a, that's it right there. It's been that since day yeah. one, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, Sly Stone said it first. Everybody is a star. Everybody is a I star. Was, everybody is a star, and what I did was make sure you see that. You know, I, by the star glasses, you look in my eyes, they see yourself, and that's I love that's it. what it's up. That's what it's I all it. about. All yeah. right, we're going to take one more break here and we come back. We're going to have our final segments here with Bootsy and Patty Collins. We'll get some black fashions and black accommodations here on Dear Culture. You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture. I have Bootsy and Patty Collins here. This is a, a bucket list item for me. I'm excited. And they're on my show. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. I might have to quit after this. I think I'm going to retire. <laughs> And submit a song to Bootsy for a funk not fight just to see if I can see see what I got inside myself. Um, He'd love to have you. My favorite segments here on my show are my Black Fashions and Black Commendations. Black Fashions is where I have my guests have a little fun and, and share with us something that people might be surprised to learn about them because they're black. Now, I have no earthly idea what what you all could possibly come up with so I am so curious what, what you each have as a black fashion. So, Patty, let's start with you. Do you have a black fashion for me? Of course. You know, I grew up in New Richmond, which is like a Mayberry town. So I mean, for real, Mayberry. <laughs> so um, my family, we were like pretty much the only blacks in the in the little town. So And still are. I <laughs> I you know, so my voice has always been one of those voices where people are confused. They'll hear me on the phone. Like when I answer the phone still today, I'll answer the phone and they think that I'm a bill collector, but I'm not, you know, I'm passionate. <laughs> so having my voice and having my color has always been a confusing thing for people. But I've always known that I am a black woman, girl from years ago. And I'm strong with my voice. So Bobby Bird and, and, and Mama Bird, which is who I was with James Brown, of course. Yeah. They would call our phone and they just love Bootsy, right? They felt like they were like his aunt and uncle. And when they'd hear my voice, they were just like taken back. And they were just hoping that I wasn't, you know, not black. <laughs> and I know they don't black. Because of my voice. Yeah, that and Bootsy wouldn't. Oh, they just knew Bootsy would never not marry a black woman, right? No. So <laughs> when they met me, when they met me, they were like, oh my God, thank God she's black. <laughs> and I, I was like, wow, you know? So to this day, it's still going on. So that's my confession. I love that. Also, is New Richmond, is that in Ohio? New Richmond, Ohio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's along the river. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, love that. And- I love that. I love your voice, by the way. I just want you, I love your voice. It's wonderful. Oh, so, you know, <laughs> I love yeah. it. I appreciate that. Okay, your turn, William. It's all white, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. 
Oh yeah. man, all right. So my um mine I guess would have to be when I when I used to go to the welfare. You know, me and my mother and my sister, my older brother Catfish, he was like um he wasn't trying to let the older people see him going to welfare, you know, because you know how us black people, you know, we don't like people to know that we own welfare, you know. So I didn't care, you know. I didn't care what the people thought, you know, because I was out there with the kids every day, you know, and I knew all of us was on welfare anyway. So it's like, you know, I didn't care. And Mama knew I didn't care. So, you know, it was like, when we went to welfare, she'd give me the bags. Brenda, the, my sister, didn't want to carry them because, you know, they didn't want the kids to laugh at them, you know. I took the bags, and, you know, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the man. You know, I got it going on, you know. I had these groceries I knew mama's going to cook, you know. I mean, and we going to eat. You know, we got some we got some white beans every day, you know, and then we got some brown beans on the weekend, you know, like Saturday. I mean, and that, you know, you you have the brown beans. Actually, we had to go buy the brown beans. They didn't give you, they didn't give you brown beans. We had to scuffle up enough money to get to buy brown beans. Mm-hmm. But to get back to the welfare thing, I mean, all the kids would come out at a certain time and just crack up, you know, at me came with the welfare bags. And I was laughing too. So that's it. I was laughing. That's my confession. I mean, you know, so it's like we take things sometimes yeah. so hard that's really laughable. You know, we all got stories that somebody else might can laugh about. You know, at the time, you know, it was tough for me to go through that, but I made it and I saw the laughter in it. And I, I, when I laughed at it myself, it was cool. And then it stopped them from laughing at me. They started to respect that. And then they started to understand, well, we own welfare too, you know? And then they started to not care. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and and then the, the later thing that came to me was, who told you you were naked? Right. The, who told right, you? We'll stop right there. Who told you? <laughs> who told you? Um, you were worthless. Yeah. Who told you you were no good? Yeah. You know, and when you look and start understanding who told you what, then you know, I'm good. I'm cool. Right. You mm-hmm. okay. And that's what, again, Frog Not Fight. It's all about the Love knowing. That. It's about the Love. knowing of where you really are. Yep. Because what they told you was not the truth. <laughs> Thumbs up. You are somebody. Thumbs up. You are somebody. Yes. You know, we end with a black recommendation, but I feel like Funk Not Fight is the, the black recommendation here. This is a recommendation, right? Like, I don't know if y'all right. got one, but that's as good as it gets, right? Like, nah, you know. that's for us, Panama. So yeah. thank you for recognizing. We appreciate it. And this is our symbol. This is Funk Not Fight. You got your baby finger, your index finger, and your thumb. This is the symbol. Fall. All yeah. right. Fuck not Let's fight. See. Just like that. There we go. Okay. You care well, it. Well, I can't do that, but. I've got to be able to. Uh, yeah, you know I don't even saying? think my, my thumbs don't do that. So I got to work on that. 
I got to work yeah, on work on getting the symbol right. But uh, <laughs> no. thank you. But so I appreciate y'all. Thank you all so much for being here on Dear Culture. We appreciate everything that you all are doing. Um, we're looking all out right. for that single, and yeah. you know, we're just we're just we're here to support and appreciate everything that you've done. So thank you so much for being here for the work that you all, all right. are doing. Thank you for being here on Dear Culture. All right, thank, thank you for having. It. And thank you to everybody for listening to Dear Culture, which is an original podcast of the Real Black Podcast Network. It is produced by Sasha Armstrong, edited by Jeff Trudeau, and Regina Griffin is our director of podcasts. Again, my name is Panama Jackson. Thank you for listening. Have a black one. We started this podcast to talk about not just what Black writers write about, but how. Well, personally, it's on my bucket list to have one of my books banned. <laughs> I know that's probably bad, but Ooh. I think... Ooh, spicy. They were yelling, N-word, go home. And I was looking around for the N-word because I knew it couldn't be me because I was a queen. <laughs> but I am telling people to quit this mentality of identifying ourselves yeah. by our work, to start to live our lives. And to redefine the whole concept of how we work and where we work and why we work in the first place. My, my biggest strength throughout throughout my career has been having incredible mentors and specifically black women. I've been writing poetry since I was like eight. You know, I've been reading Langston Hughes and James Baldwin and Maya Angelou and so forth and so on since I was like a little kid. Like the banjo was blackly black, right? Mm -hmm. For Many, many, African. many years. Everybody yes. knew. Because sometimes I'm just doing some Sam <laughs> that because <laughs> I just want to <laughs> do it. An honor to be here. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Keep shining bright.